Great. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Marketing Mini Bytes podcast. Today, uh, it's my pleasure to introduce Mark Wright on the show today, the director of Climb Online. Uh, Mark, how are you doing? Chris, good to be with you. Thank you so much for having me. Cool. Great for you to be here. It's, uh, it's great. I know we were chatting briefly before and it's, it's a Friday today, so luckily you've had a, a little bit of a lion. But, but what's, uh, what's the working week like for you at the moment? Mate, there's never a lion for me. I've just got back. I was just coaching in uh, Ibiza in Spain. I'm coaching a business course out there. Um, and my normal working week is, is normally in the office Monday to Friday, um, like all good business owners. So I own five companies. Climb Online is my biggest, which you mentioned, which I won from The Apprentice. Uh, but, you know, as we were speaking about before, as my businesses get bigger, more customers, more staff, it's less about me doing the work and more about me managing the people, motivating the people, managing the vision and the goals and finances of, of the company. So where I used to be hands-on actually doing the marketing, doing the work, selling the deals, it's now like mam, um, you know, managing this behemoth of a, of a business. Yeah, and I, I suspect that's grown pretty exponentially over the last few years. So, so as you say, you won The Apprentice in, back in 2014, um, which I can imagine was, was a great time for you. It, it's pretty crazy because like, at the start it had been, okay, this is just a business of one. But, or maybe two with Laura Dallin Sugar. How have you gone from a business of two to a business of you know multiple multiple people? How have you found that growth? Um, that's a really interesting question because I started the company in my bedroom, uh, literally three foot from my bed. I would get up and put a shirt on and sit next to my bed and do a working day. And now I walk into the office and we have loads of people. You know, we're we're approaching a hundred employees. And when you start a business from one person and then you get up to sort of around the hundred, it's, it's really surreal because it, it feels like it's just clicked your fingers and it happened. It hasn't. It's taken seven years. Um, but what happens is it, it, it almost feels quite organic. You get one people, you get two people, you get 10. But what I always say to people, it was much harder managing five or 10 than it is 50 or 100 because you build up management structures and you build up people around you that manage the people. So actually my, my management hasn't actually changed in the number. I still manage the same three or four people. They manage three or four people. And by the way, you get then get down to 100 and I don't really have much to do with that. So a good business, a big business is all about systems and, it, and the, who you surround yourself with as a leader is so integral. I've got great people around me in my management team that I rely on. And actually, the bigger my company gets, the less people I talk to. And if I have good conversations with those two or three people and manage them efficiently, the other 100 manages itself. That's great. We're probably sidetracking a bit here, but just talking on the whole people management side of things, I found that a massive benefit of being in an office as well. I know so you've got some people that are great at working from home, people are great at working in the office. I personally like a hybrid. Keen to get your take on it as well, but... I've just had some great coffee conversations of people that I would never have talked to on a Teams chat or a Skype chat. So really interested to know how that's working for you as well. Well, I'm copying a lot of heat on this on social media, particularly on Twitter, um, on there. And uh, it's interesting. I agree with you 100%. I believe and have actually always believed that a hybrid model is the best model. There's days where I need to get a lot of stuff done. And I lock myself away in my study at home and I get a lot of stuff done. There's days where being in the office to have that meeting face-to-face -face 
collaborating with that person, you wouldn't have just teams called out of the blue, you know, coming up and brainstorming on issues that are happening in the company where you've got a piece of butcher's paper and everyone sat around a table. I truly believe, I don't believe I know that you have to have a hybrid model to be successful. I think companies that have gone 100% hybrid are going to regret it. They, they claim on, they cling on to this, oh, technology, 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 which technology is fantastic. And look what we're doing right now. This would have been impossible only, you know, 10 years ago. Um, technology is great and it serves its purpose really well. But looking someone in the eyes, shaking hands with someone, doing a meeting or, um, you know, collaborating face to face, there is that still so important. And I think businesses who lose that will get left behind. And I think that... Currently, my company say we have to be in the office two days mandatory per week and three days work from home, and that's working really well for us. Yeah, definitely. I've heard a lot of companies do the same sort of thing because you want to offer that flexibility. Right? I think a lot of employees like the flexibility, and you might lose people without having the flexibility, but at the same time, it's the culture. You lose culture if you're not in the office, I think. So absolutely agree with you. If you take a bit of a sidestep then back to the, time of the apprentice period as well, then it is a very different way for businesses to start up. There's very few businesses at the start up after going through a bit of a TV show experience and then jumping in with, with Lord Alan Sugar. How was that experience for you? How did you find it? Are you, are you still working quite closely with him as well today? I was just speaking to him literally 15 minutes ago. So uh, I've been in business with him seven years. Um, he still owns 50% of my main business, Climb Online. And as you say, it's not a traditional way to get financing, winning a game show um, to get 250 quid. But what I will say is it's been an invaluable um, time in my life. There was multiple reasons. The actual experience of The Apprentice was amazing. Just to push yourself to that level of work and stress and you know pressure for a sort of 12-week period and get through it was amazing. Having Alan Sugar as a mentor has been incredible. The £250,000 investment was invaluable to start the company. But for, I think foremost, the actual PR and the, you know, the, the reach of the show, the amount of people that still come up and ask me photos and talk about the show today, seven years later, is mm. unbelievable. The show has so much of an audience, such a great reach. Um, and the business has never wanted for leads or for publicity or because of that show. So I have a lot to thank it for. And people always ask me, would I have been as successful businessman as I am today without The Apprentice? And the answer is, I think I truly believe I would have been, but it would have taken a lot longer. The Apprentice just amplified my abilities. There's been people who have won the show that have crashed faster. You know, they've gone bankrupt faster. I believe what it does is it just accelerates who you are, what you've got, and it either makes it really successful really quickly or really unsuccessful really clearly, uh, quickly. Definitely. I think that's happened with COVID as well to some degree, right? It's accelerated businesses' growth or, you know, some businesses have struggled, but uh, for the likes of certain retailers, they might have seen five months, uh, five years' worth of growth in five months, which, which is incredible, right? I think this huge shift online might be here to stay for many. I know in certain countries it's kind of, might might not have been quite the same but uh for a lot of businesses i know this this big kind of rush to online is definitely staying and i don't know how that affects climb online now but how have, have climb online kind of gotten through the covid period and are coming out of it now well we've just had a record year um oh, uh, and, and at the start of covid 
what I said to my staff and my management is, when the sea gets rough, you find out who the good sailors are. Just like I said, um, what we were just talking about before, COVID, okay, if you work in the travel industry, uh, you can blame COVID, okay? I think outside of travel, um, most other industries, it just showed you quite quickly who had a good business and who had a bad business. And like in a recession, a pandemic creates an excuse. And then you have people saying, well, my business didn't work because of the 07, 08 recession or coronavirus in 2020. What I've generally found is the reality is that business was pretty poor and all it's done has been exposed in a in a tough time. No, no doubt about it, it's a tough time. But why did companies like Tesla, Amazon, Apple all have record years? Good businesses just got better, did better. My business had a record year. Bad businesses failed and it's COVID's fault. I would argue that those businesses were, were set to fail anyway. So generally, um, when you create a pressure environment, the good business people stand out from the rest. Good business people are generally able to find and shift their business model quite quickly, whether that's to home deliveries, online delivery, um, next day delivery, same day delivery, whatever it might be. Uh, being sort of tangible and being able to shift your business model quite quickly is a sign of a good business leader and of, of a good business. And um, there's the people who can't do that that say we've always done it this way and they're waiting for what government support package is going to come out. That, you know, they're the ones sitting around blaming some sort of external circumstance. Yeah. And you mentioned the government support. I, I think I literally saw a tweet from you yesterday about the furlough scheme as well. You, you have some thoughts on that as well, right? Yeah, I'm still copying it online. <laughs> I need to shut up with my, uh, with my, <laughs> oh, but you know, there's one point, um, there's one million and 30,000 jobs uh, not being taken up in the UK right now. Bartenders, lorry drivers, cafe workers. My business has over 15 roles that we have no applications for. We're desperate for people to join our workforce. But the government is still running the furlough scheme up until yesterday, where they're paying people 80% of their wage to sit at home and not work. And there's a million jobs that are desperate for people to work. And my argument is, is okay, you might be a pilot, you might be an airline hostess, whatever. Uh, and I appreciate that's your career. But we need so much help everywhere else in the economy. And the perfect example is my brother is a pilot. And he's not been able to get work as a pilot for almost 18 months. And he's reskilled as into a different job to work this period. And I, I think I have a lot of admiration for him for that because a lot of people were tweeting me and saying, well, it's easy for you to say, but I'm an air hostess. I appreciate you're an air hostess. But, you know, we have to all in times of need do what the economy needs us to do to get money in. And I think when the government provided such an easy escape for a lot of people to say, well, being a lorry driver isn't my career. Being a, you know, cafe worker is not my career. I understand that, but we need to have people working in the economy. We're paying a million people not to work when there's over a million jobs that we desperately need people to get the fuel stations running, to get the supermarkets running, to get cafes and bars up and running again. Yeah, and these jobs are not badly paid. You know, we are that desperate, I think, as a nation for lorry drivers, for example. You've seen the newspapers, some of the salaries that they're willing to pay some of these lorry drivers. It's nuts, right? 
it, it, it's, it's crazy. But, you know, Chris, I can't also blame the people that are sitting on furlough and that are tweeting me and all of this stuff because they are being paid almost their full salary to sit at home, be with their kids, walk their dog, have a normal life. Why the hell would you want to get in a lorry and drive up to Leeds for four hours in pretty mm. tough conditions? It's pouring rain and all of this dangerous whatever. So if your option is be paid to sit at home or be paid to drive to Leeds, you're definitely going to be paid to sit at home. When I point these things out, a lot of people get so upset by it, but I can't see any way that it's not the truth. <laughs> mm. You're right. You're right. So it's going to be really interesting now moving into the end of 2021 and 2022 to see what that happens. I think things will improve. They have to improve. You know, it's been a pretty rocky year for a lot of people, but the, yeah, the, it'll, these things will line itself out. They always do. I think it's been a very turbulent time with just the likes of COVID and Brexit happening. There's some complications, but as I'm sure you've experienced any business, if it's a good business, will be able to navigate through these things pretty, pretty well and come out really strongly for it. Um, I'm really interested to know like, when you look back on it or maybe looking forwards, what's been the most proudest project or the, the most uh, interesting project that you're looking forward to be working on uh, at Climb Online or any of your well, five my, businesses? I'm really, really, sorry, I'm really interested to know what those five businesses are because I'm unaware of them. Oh, there you go. So, um, my, well, my biggest business is, is Climb Online, which is my digital yeah. marketing agency. I own a PR company called Make More Noise, which is based in Birmingham. I own a shampoo online retail shampoo company called Luxurious Look. Uh, I've got a, a, a property company called Right On uh, Property and a investment vehicle called Right On Investments where I look to invest in young startup businesses or entrepreneurs. So they keep me very busy because they're in e-com service, whatever, lots of staff, lots of different locations with, with all of them being up in Birmingham and, and London. So keeps me on my toes. But my most exciting project that I've worked on ever has probably been my business conference that I put on called ClimbCon. We had Lord Sugar, Piers Morgan and, and CEOs of massive companies speaking to business owners about how to scale up their companies. And it was more of a passion project I put on because I love learning about business. I love being a better businessman and I want to help others be better businesses. And it wasn't to make money because I certainly didn't make any money from doing it. But um, I really enjoyed helping people improve their businesses. And that's probably been one of the most exciting things I've worked on. And over the next sort of few years, our plan is to scale up our business internationally. So looking at Sydney and Australia, looking at um, America as well and, and go for that international uh, footprint. I kind of see I want to build up a sort of global multimedia international business. Um, and, and that's really we're, we're doing very well in the UK. We're doing very well in Europe. And I want to take my um, companies to North America as well. Great. That's fascinating. And I guess it's, it comes with a lot of challenges. But hey, if you're in America, you at least need to learn a new language. So that's always that's always a bonus. What's that's um, for you then? If you're for new marketers coming onto the scene or anyone who's really keen just to, to jump on this podcast today and get a bit of tangible, you know, insight and, and, and sort of advice for the future. What's that one piece of advice that you give to marketers who are looking to upskill their game or tr think about something different that they've not thought about before? I think that automation is going to play a integral part in the future of the marketing industry. And it's knowing knowing your tools and knowing how to automate, which is going to be essential for the success of a marketing agency. 
at the end of the day, if you're going to join into our industry, if you're going to become a marketeer and you're going to start your own agency, you've got to remember that what you're selling is not marketing. You're selling people's time. And what that means is the people you surround yourself with in your agency is going to determine the success of your agency. And having great people around you that really know what they're doing, that are thought leaders and at the forefront of the game, is going to determine how far you go. And I see a lot of agencies come into the space with cheap tools, with overseas outsource employees, and then they wonder why their company is not successful. Um, well, we're selling people's time. And that, that, mm. you know, that's the best advice I can give anyone coming into this, this industry. Great advice. Is there anything that you do like on a day to day basis? Obviously, you're super hot on the social media front. Are there any podcasts you listen to, any books you read, articles that you keep on top of just to get up that, you know, because automation is all over the online kind of newspapers, if you like, these days. And it's definitely a hot topic. Is there anywhere that you kind of keep up to date with that information? Well, I'm very lucky now. So when I first started, I was I was hot on reading sort of like uh, online search journal, all of these these types of uh, blogs and, and news articles, anything to do with the digital marketing industry. I sort of have uh, Google alerts set up around anything to do with digital marketing, anything to do with Google, Facebook, etc. Um, but I'm really lucky now where I have heads of department that look after all of this stuff that I meet with on a weekly basis and they download it to me almost like a one-to-one -one training session which has been beneficial. For me, I do a lot of reading, a lot of reading about business, a lot of reading about business systems. Uh, right now, I'm reading a book by Ray Dalio called Principles, and it's really heavy on automation and AI and, and business systems. Uh, but for me, I, I like listening to audiobooks. I try to listen to one audiobook a week, and that really keeps me ahead of the curve. I change it between business, motivation, digital marketing, and I just try to, you know, what you don't know, you don't know, right? And uh, they say if you want to earn more, you've got to learn more. And I'm constantly just plugging in new information. Um, and, and I get a lot out of actually going on um, to podcasts and also attending events. I speak at a lot of events, but I, I make a habit of staying in the audience and listening to the other speakers. And I find that I get a lot out of speaking and I get a lot more out of listening to others. Definitely. I think that's some great advice. I think the only way you're ever going to learn is if you just get, your, get yourself out there as well, right? And just, just try new things. Not everyone's set up a Google Ads campaign before. You're only going to, you know, you've got to, you've got to try it all, right? So there's some very great words. Um, Mark, it's been fantastic to have you on the podcast. I really appreciate your time uh, to get out of your very busy schedule. And um, yeah, we wish you all the best with your five businesses. It's been my pleasure, Chris. Thank you so much. Great speaking to you, Mark. Cheers. Bye. Cheers.